0: hey guys welcome back to my dad knows everything today we have a super cool conversation for you all about engines and what you guys may or may not know is that my dad is the coolest thing on four wheels and two wheels so without further ado here's our conversation okay Today, we're going to talk about all things with engines. Um, or That's that's a lie already. We're, <laughs> we're going to talk about two things with engines. Okay. Okay. So first, let's talk about um, what is an engine? And also, is that different than a motor? Or is a motor just a certain type of engine?
1: Wow. Um, good questions. I would say with the vocabulary that I grew up in, which of course is regional uh you know you talk to people about words and you go to different parts of the country people say different things right like they say pop in the midwest you know they say soda out here at soft drink somewhere Mm -hmm. else and so it just uh you know what my terminology is may not fit with everybody all over the english-speaking world but when i think of a um uh, um the like the difference between a motor and an engine i mean i would typically think they're synonymous but like motor could apply to like an electric motor so it doesn't it doesn't have to be like an internal a gas combustion engine motor. right oh, okay so you'd have like a diesel motor a gas motor an electric motor uh you know but you you don't hear it referred to as a steam motor you hear it referred to as a steam engine right Right. So, you know, I would say that motors and engines are are probably interchangeable from a vocabulary standpoint. Okay. And it's and like I think your first question is was what is a motor or what is an an engine? And I think it's something that produces uh or 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 takes energy and converts it into mechanical movement. Right? So, uh we talked last time about turbines and motors and and things like that and so you have uh, you know steam could drive a turbine, uh, electricity can turn a motor, and then uh, gasoline and diesel in combustion engines can explode and then drive a piston and then that can turn a shaft. So it's all about converting some kind of energy into mechanical movement that you then use to drive something or drill something or you know make some kind of action on. And it usually revolves uh, some kind of spinning shaft, right? There's almost there's almost always a spinning shaft in an engine or a motor, right? So okay. in the case of, um, you know, like a boat, uh, you're turning a shaft that turns a propeller. In a car, you're turning a drive shaft, which then goes to the rear axle, which then drives your, or turns the, the wheels.
0: And is the shaft the thing where at one end it kind of just has like a heavy sort of um, it could be you know like a cylinder or something and then the other part is connected to a rod and it kind of moves it up and down is that what a shaft is well
1: so that's inside the engine so in a in a car uh, you've heard this is a four-cylinder engine this is a six-cylinder engine right. this is an eight-cylinder engine so each of the in in the engine in the engine block there would be a cylinder and inside that cylinder would be a piston. And the the piston compresses air and fuel is exploded or sparked by the spark plug or the glow plug in the case of a diesel engine. And then that drives the piston down. And when you drive the piston down, the piston is connected to the crankshaft. The crankshaft isn't... uh, it, it, it's not a straight shaft. It's more like a, uh, almost like a square ladder. So it has all of these different bends in it because the pistons are all at different heights, depending on the way that the engine is firing those cylinders. And then as the piston goes down, it pushes that lower part of the crankshaft to the, the bottom of it. And that, and through the center is at the end of the crankshaft is just a, a you know the 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 sh- the output shaft and so then the output shaft would connect to the transmission the transmission allows you to go through the different gears whether it's a manual or an automatic right. and then at the end of the transmission is a spline that goes to a drive shaft and that drive shaft spins and then that spinning shaft goes to the rear axle uh, the rear axle turns it from a uh, you know, whatever direction the drive shaft is spinning into whatever direction the wheels need to turn and then that uh, rotates the tires, you know, either in the back or the front, depending on if it's front wheel drive or rear wheel drive for the car.
0: Oh, And they say that's easier than just using your old feet. <laughs>
1: Seems a lot. <laughs> well, it's to... certainly, you can go faster, uh, <laughs> right? And you can go longer distances in a car yeah. than uh, certainly you can walk yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, so, What's the difference if like so? I had a Saab Turbo. Mm-hmm. What makes it Turbo?
1: Well, so the uh, a turbocharger takes the exhaust that comes out of the car, and then that turns a. Um, I'm gonna get the the wording wrong, but it's like an impeller or a, you know some kind of wheel in the turbo. So as as you as you accelerate,
0: wait, is Turbo short for turbine?
1: Is it like, um, I don't think it's
0: or, or not like short, but like it's, it's using the same route because you're saying it's turning like a propeller. It, it's don't.
1: possible, right? Okay. So it could be a turbine inside the, you know, the, the turbo, right? Like I'm, I'm not an expert okay, on turbos, okay. but I know that a turbo drives mm. off of the exhaust. And so the exhaust would turn that mm. and then that would push, a uh, compressed air into the, um, uh, into the engine which then gives it a, you know, a boost, right? And that's, uh, and usually with turbo, you've got that, uh, you know, boost indicator, how much boost you're, you're putting into the engine. Now the similar technology is the supercharger, but the supercharger runs off of a belt on the engine. So it uses the, the, uh, you know, the same output of the engine to drive, uh, usually corkscrews, but also, um, there's corkscrew, and then there's another kind as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it also does the same thing. It, it compresses oxygen and forces it into the engine uh, to give it that extra uh, oomph uh, yeah. on the like uh, on the explosion. Yeah, yeah. well, because yeah. you have to in order to have a fuel burn, you need you need the fuel uh, and you need oxygen. So inside the engine, they are. Pushing in, uh, or they're they're getting the fuel into the engine, but then they're also getting the air into the engine so that it can have the right mixture to explode properly. In early cars, you used a carburetor, uh, you know, and then cars after that used a fuel injection. But the but the air is what's referred to as naturally aspirated, right? So you okay. can think of when when you breathe you're just taking in the air that's in the atmosphere. And the car is the same way. So whatever air is in the engine compartment...
0: But they can, it, it's, but it's not purely oxygen that we're breathing.
1: Right. And it's the same for the car, right? So it's, you know, mixing So are they nitrogen. trying
0: to, like, make a way to give it just pure oxygen, which it's is not, more explosive?
1: It's not to give it pure oxygen, but it is to put more into that space. So if you can think of... Uh, if you're breathing here and just naturally, you know, versus like, uh, if you had the hairdryer, like pushing air into your nose, right? (laughs) So it, 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 that would be the analogy. So it's, it's ramming air in there to make it more oxygen rich so Mm. that the, uh, explosion is stronger, uh, you know, and that you've got a, a stronger force inside that. Do they do that for
0: rockets or airplanes?
1: So, I don't know about airplanes, because airplanes are... Well, the, you know, the, right
0: before you take maybe off... Maybe jet
1: engines, because uh, the turbines on jet engines are are that way, right? Okay,
0: because, like, you could hear them go, like...
1: Right. And, and it's like, whine. are they sucking in, like, right. a whole
0: bunch of oxygen? Like,
1: mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It
0: so, uh, makes sense to me, but... Yep. Okay, cool. Um, So... Do motorcycles have a different type of engine than um, a car? Or is it just the same type of engine, but just teeny?
1: It, yes. So it's typically the same principles, uh, usually smaller. Well, almost always smaller. <laughs> um, but it it that's tough because there are some motorcycles that have some fairly large engines that are larger than some small, small cars. Really? Right? Yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, there are some cars that have... Like a one liter engine, at least in Europe, they had like the Austin Mini and and stuff like that. They were a thousand CCs, and that's a you can get a thousand CCs or more in a motorcycle engine. So you can have a motorcycle that's got a bigger engine than like yeah. a small car.
0: And you, do, um, what does CC stand for? Cubic centimeter. Okay.
1: So that the in an internal combustion engine, they refer to the displacement, which is if you think of the inside of the cylinder and the piston going up and down when the piston is all the way down there is a there's a volume in there and then if you multiply that by 8 or 4 or 6 or whatever that okay. number of cylinders is then then you come up with a uh that's the displacement number so early engines in the United States were all done in cubic inches so if mm-hmm. you've heard somebody refer to a 350 or a 427.
0: Oh yeah, that's like on the back of cars. Right. I thought that was just like the model, the series number. Uh,
1: well, sometimes it is, but it's also typically the uh, the displacement. So, it, uh. you know, this is a big engine if it's 427. It's a, you know, it's a medium-sized V8 if it's a, you know, if it's a 350. Um, Japanese and European cars all used uh, the metric system. So you'd say that it had like a 2-liter engine. Or it had... Uh, you know, you know, if it was a bigger engine, it might be, you know, a five liter V8 or, you know, 5.7 liter V8. And, and so you, so whenever you're looking, when you're comparing models, it's, you know, do you want the truck that has the five liter engine, the 5.7 liter engine or the 6.2 liter yeah. engine, right? And so you.
0: Six, seven up bottles. Yeah, <laughs> right. or...
1: Exactly. So you can sort of see how uh, much bigger it is. When you start looking at the muscle cars, uh, like if you look at the Dodge Charger and the Challenger, I think the engines go up to like three hundred and ninety-two cubic inches, and you know they're and which is seven point something liters, or you know they're just and
0: is that like they're big, uh, yeah. Those yeah. are
1: massive engines, but yeah. but that's what they're measuring is is just how uh, and
0: that's why they take more gas, right? Also, is that why they need diesel?
1: Well, What's... diesel's different. So that's just, that's a different
0: kind of like how there's like a hybrid cars, there's electric cars, there's diesel cars. It just means that it, the engine works differently.
1: Well, it burns a different fuel. So when you, when you go and you get crude oil out of the earth, you have, the reason it's called crude is because it's unrefined. When you, when you take that oil, that barrel of oil and you take it to a refinery they put it through a process where they're able to separate out all of the different components of the, of the oil. And, uh, you know, you'll have kerosene in there. You'll have gasoline in there. You'll have, um, uh, you know, diesel. Well, petrol is just a different uh, word for gasoline. (laughs) Is that like a British term? It's a British (laughs) term for for gasoline. Yeah. So like petroleum. Well, right. It but petroleum it refers to like that crude oil. Oh, okay, right? oh, okay,
0: okay. Right,
1: uh, so so diesel is a. It, it's not as refined as gasoline, and it takes a different method of uh, igniting it and combusting it than gasoline does.
0: So, is it not refined at all? Or no, or is it's it just refined. refined a little it's not.
1: Bit? Yeah, exactly. So what what happens is is you you sort of have like highly refined and then like less refined right on like a gradiated
0: is that what scale. the different like oh do you want 91 93 and 96 like whatever's on the the gas pump yeah so that has
1: to do with the octane which is uh something you would have to google because okay I, you know i, know I
0: always pick the cheapest <laughs> one I <don't... laughs> but i don't drive as like a sports car which would probably need well, the higher octane so
1: the 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 best rule of thumb is to look at what your owner's manual recommends. Oh, that thing in the glove box. <laughs> that thing in the glove box. If your owner's manual says 87 or higher, then you're totally fine with 87. And if you put anything in higher, you're probably not getting anything out of it. It doesn't
0: make the performance of your... It doesn't make it
1: glide. My experience has been no doesn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, but if you get a newer car that has a higher... Um... Uh, compression engine then sometimes they'll specify this needs 91 octane to to run optimally mm-hmm. and so then the gas just
0: it. goes through the the pipes better the like
1: it it burns hotter tubes, cleaner yeah. yeah i don't
0: know okay interesting um so yeah what what is the like fastest car of all time and what's the fastest motorcycle of all time uh so the fastest you know car
1: of? that i know of like is probably the bugatti I think it does, like... I've
0: heard about it in rap songs.
1: Yeah, it... I, you know, I'm not a huge... You know, I don't follow this stuff mm-hmm. a, a lot. I mean, I, I could be don't off Don't you get base, a car magazine in the mail? No, I don't. I used to I get th- some motorcycle ones. Oh, okay. But, uh, and then they all went bankrupt, so they don't... Uh, oh, you know, it's hard because to of with the, uh, with the, web.
0: the pandemic?
1: Um, or just... Well, I don't know. The, oh,
0: you mean just the magazines in general? The magazines. it's a dying, you know... Yeah. It, okay, yeah.
1: So, um... At least the ones that I subscribe to went bankrupt. But yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's still some out there. But uh, I don't know a lot about the Bugatti other than like its claim to fame is that it's like faster than fast, right? Like, it, And what's
0: the point of that? Unless you are you frequent the Autobahn.
1: Um, I think some of it is status and some of it is, you know, because it's there, right? Like yeah. when you get into people that can afford that kind of stuff, it's not where are you going to drive this? Yeah. It's like, you don't understand i have one
0: yeah i just feel (laughs) like it's it's kind of a little bit cruel like i feel like if i had like the fastest stallion in the world and i just took that horse trotting around town the horse would be like i'm i was born to run why aren't i running and i know like cars they're not sentient but i just would feel like what a what a waste what a sad life you this is the fastest car in the world Mm -hmm. and you only go like 90 or yeah. like 85, you yeah. know?
1: Yeah, well, and so, I, you know, I don't own a car like that because
0: yeah. I
1: can't afford it and I, you know, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't know what to do with it.
0: Are race cars, um, are those engines different? Do you know much about race cars?
1: Um, well, so typically when you have a race car, there are uh, rules and regulations. And so they will specify what the maximum displacement is, uh, you know, what technologies and things that you can put into it what modifications you can make to it there are inspections they want to make sure that you haven't like over modified it or or anything like that so you can't race a bugatti or put a
0: bugatti engine in a
1: um i don't know that there's any race classes uh for bugattis um you know there's like formula one cars Mm -hmm. which are like like Nobody owns a Formula One car other than a Formula One race car team, right? Like right. they're super impractical for anything other than what right. they're designed to do, right? And then NASCAR is, uh, you know, they were originally cars that you could buy on the showroom floor, right? They, they That's why they were called stock cars, right? Like you would oh. buy a car on the showroom floor and then you could put race wheels on it. You could put a couple of other modifications on it. But for the most part, it was like... That's the same car my family drives to the grocery store. Is but just on the racetrack, up yeah, to but, its ears. but souped up, right? Yeah. Well, then they've they've changed the rules and the regulations to the point now where, like, the the car, you know, other than the fact that they put the name on it, like it says Malibu or it says you know whatever the the manufacturer is, like it it doesn't resemble, uh, you know, that that car anymore. Right. Right. So. Uh, yeah. You know, it just depends.
0: You know, I thought they were called stock cars because they always had extras in stock. Because a lot of times they like crash and burn mm. and stuff. Sounds interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing was is like if you had a NASCAR race and you won it in like a uh, like a Mustang, right? Then like sales of the Mustang right. would go up. So it was right. it was a way to. So so any kind of racing there is. You're trying to make a name for the company that wins or the, you know, the, the model brand of the car. And then it also helps you develop cutting edge technologies. So tires have improved because of racing. Uh, you know, cooling systems have improved they're because able of to racing. Compact
0: like what would, how do these tires, you know, do with like this amount of wear and tread and they don't have to like watch it over the span of a year because it's getting that same amount of like you know miles in a short
1: period of time exactly you're pushing the edge uh with all of the technologies and by by solving problems at the edge then you're able to sort of take those lessons learned and apply it practically more cost effective maybe not to the extremes in the you know the the product line that you're trying to sell
0: interesting did you watch ford versus ferrari uh
1: no i haven't seen it oh, i've seen part of it but I haven't. it's seen such a good movie yeah
0: i think you'd really like it yeah that's such a good movie
1: i did watch part of it and saw that uh they were at willow springs uh raceway which i've ridden my motorcycle on so that was kind of cool
0: oh that is cool yeah yeah that movie was when i discovered that christian bale is actually british he was doing his actual voice uh-huh uh, yeah insane um Anyway, do you have any interesting car facts you would like to share?
1: Interesting car
0: facts. I know you've you've taken uh, Grandpa to like many different like car shows or mm-hmm. like car I don't know those like places. Yeah, there's a, so there's a couple maybe of places you've picked up some cool things. I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's a couple places in town that have uh, you know cars on display and collectors who have their collectors uh, or their collection open. Uh, to the public that you can, you know, view and, and look at them and stuff. And I think the reason that we do that is like for, uh, for my dad, for your grandpa, you know, he grew up when all those cars were brand new. And oh. so, you know, for him, it's a walk down memory lane to sort of, you know, see those cars and, you know, relive, right. uh, you know, his youth and, you know, that time period and stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know that I have any interesting car facts because... While I do like cars, uh, I, I'm not, I don't have an obsession right. with them like, like some people do.
0: So what about, um? is there anything you know about like some of those like famous cars? Like Kit, the, I don't know, the Knight Rider car or, you right. know, the Mystery Machine or, you know, the Back to the Future car. Like the car that they used for, you know, the Back to the Future car, which I'm forgetting what it's called. It's a DeLorean. Yeah, was that a car that at the time, like people could just have and buy? Was it like a top of the line sports car, like a luxury car? or Like what, you know?
1: Yeah. So there was a guy by the name of John DeLorean and he was a executive at one of the big three American car companies. So I, I don't remember if it was Chrysler or GM or Ford, but he uh, wanted to, you know, he had a vision of a car that he wanted to build. And he opened a factory in Ireland, and they built those cars there. Oh. And the the car was, there was a lot of innovative things in the car. Uh, you know, it was stainless steel. You know, it, it doesn't rust. Um, it was, you know, it had the gullwing doors. And, right.
0: Which was that, was that the first car made with gullwing doors? You know, uh,
1: maybe the first production car, because a lot of the, Italian, you know, like Ferraris and things like that. You'd see it every once in a while there. I think Mercedes had uh, you know, a gullwing door model early in like the 50s or 60s. So it wasn't something that had never been done before, but I think it was something that hadn't been done on like a really mass scale. where There were like a lot of them done. Uh, So for all of the, like the cool factors in the DeLorean, uh, it wasn't particularly fast. Uh, It didn't handle super well. And when you're building a sports car, like those are like the two main things people yeah. want, right? They want it to handle well and they want it to go fast. And ideally they want it to do both, yeah. right? Like in right. If, if you're buying a sports car. And so, you know, there were all kinds of troubles and he went bankrupt and everything like that. So there's not a ton of DeLoreans out there, but it's not like a one of a kind thing.
0: So was it a, a shock when they used that car for the Back to the Future? If they're like, oh, this car, that doesn't really do well all right
1: yeah like, i don't know that it was a shock i mean like for me it was the first time i'd ever seen one was oh, when i okay. saw it on the screen for back to the future and so that added to the you know the chic and stuff and right. uh and it was kind of you know when when he says you you built a time machine out of a delorean like you could oh. tell like he's like why would you choose that car, right? right. Like, was this, okay, you know, so, so like, people were familiar with it, and it was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's there, but it's not like it wasn't like a highly sought after car. Uh, in fact, I remember looking at one that was for sale, man, it must have been in the early 90s we to were, buy for
0: yourself. You were, yeah, ooh. we were, well,
1: actually, we were trying to sell a car, and the guy wanted to buy that car and trade us, you know, give us the DeLorean, and you know, I like sat in it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like. Parts are hard to find, and it's yeah, just you that's know, true like you have gotta like super love it, or you know it's not gonna be something that is gonna be worth it. At least right. for me. Um, and but then, like you mentioned, uh, Night Rider. So the thing about Night Rider is that show came out right when that new Trans Am was being released, and uh, I don't know that it had hit the showroom floors yet. So the the TV show comes out. Here's this futuristic car and then what? I can go down and buy right. one oh. at the Pontiac dealer, right? That was Smart. Yeah. So that was, you know, sort of the 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 thing there. Was that it, you know, not only was it this futuristic looking car, but like you could yeah. go you could go buy one.
0: Did you know anyone that had a car like that?
1: Oh yeah, they were yeah, you know, people had them all the time. Oh, yeah, okay. there there were a bunch of them floating around. Yeah. Yeah, that one was it the one that was used in the show was sort of like the high end model. It had like this extra cowl on the hood, and so if you got a like a lower end uh, Trans Am, it didn't have uh, didn't that specific have that detail. Specific detail, yeah. And of course, oh, okay. if it wasn't black, then it wasn't. Yeah, then the it's Knight not Night right? And of course, none of them had the red thing that went across the front. And, right when it know, was talking, a ton of so. people added it, you know, because to make it look cooler. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, can you tell me about all the different cars you've owned and yeah, that's, which I, ones were your favorite that you maybe still miss?
1: Sure. So that's, uh, probably a shorter list than you would think. I, um, so when I learned how to drive, I learned how to drive my mom's full size van and, uh, it was great because I could go pick up all my friends. Was it like and a 12 passenger
0: over? van? Like no, it Katie's?
1: was, uh, I think it had eight seats in it. So there were two captain's chairs up front. And then two benches in the back. So you could get six people in the back, two in the front.
0: And you didn't have to like fold down a seat to get into the back. It was just like.
1: No, it had a sliding door. Kind of
0: like a tour kind of pick you up from the airport kind
1: of. Yeah, I think it had the the dual doors on the side. Come to think of it. Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Because
1: my mom didn't like those, the sliding doors on the vans. So So I had the dual doors on the side, dual doors in the back. And it was big. It was a big car, right? Like that's what I learned how to drive in. And then my dad had a company car, so I wasn't able to drive his car. So then when we uh, left Chicago for Las Vegas, my dad gave up his company car and then bought a pickup truck out here. And then, you know, we, we drove the van out and then um, I started driving my dad's truck. And that's how I learned how to drive a stick because it was a, oh. you know, it was a manual transmission pickup truck. And, uh, cause I had never driven a, a stick shift before that. Did your
0: dad teach you or did you figure it out yourself? No,
1: he kind of taught me, but then I, you know, I just drove it around the neighborhood in circles yeah. working on the, you know, the pedals. Um, but I, uh, so by the time I turned 17, I wanted to buy a Jeep and I had a job. I was working at McDonald's. I was making like a pretty consistent paycheck and. You know, I went to my dad. I said, you know, I want to buy a Jeep and I need you to co-sign the loan and everything like that. And I had like this whole presentation mapped out. And he says, okay. He says, well, it sounds like you want to buy a Jeep. He's like, I'll let you do it under one condition. I said, what's that? He's all, you buy the Jeep. And I said, well, yeah, that's what we've been talking about in the last 30 minutes. He's like, no, 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 no. He says, you go, of course, at the time it was the paper, right? So we had, to look, you look in the classifieds, you find, uh, you know, some Jeeps. Go out there, take a look at them, kick the tires, find one you like, give the guy a hundred dollars to hold it. And then I'll go to the bank, help you get the loan. And then, uh, you know, when you go to pick it up and you, you know, pay the guy the money and bring it home, then I'll look at it. He's like, that seems backwards. Well, he says, because if I go out and look at it and I'm like, oh, this is a really good deal. You should buy this one. And then if it breaks down, it's partly my fault. Right. He's like, but if you go out and pick one and buy it and then it breaks down the next day in the driveway, you still have to make payments on it and now you have to fix it too. I'm like, okay. So he says, let me give you some advice. He says, try to buy the newest Jeep that you can afford. People swap engines in and out of these all the time. Try to find one that's got the original engine in it. Try to find one that hasn't been lifted and, uh, you know, and you should be okay. I'm like, okay. So I go out and I find one that's 25 years old. It's got oversized tires on it and it's got a 350 Chevy engine in it. Oh my
0: goodness. Right.
1: And I, uh, so I bring it home and the next day it broke down in the driveway.
0: (laughs) That is (laughs) crazy. The next day.
1: So I, uh, so I worked on that thing and, you know, learned all kinds of, you know, mechanics skills just out of sheer necessity to, to keep that stupid thing running. And uh, I had it from October of 88 until I think I sold it in like February of 89. So I had it for about four months. And oh, wow. Yeah. It wasn't you know, very this long.
0: reminds me of Scott's story with the Jackie Jeep. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, I told Scott yeah. that story and I think he wanted to, you know, create it in yeah. some ways. So, and he. um
0: He values that learning experience of, you know, because, you know, he said when he bought it, he wanted to work on it and fix it because then he that's how he would learn those skills right
1: and that's how I learned those skills it's also how I learned the confidence to go well I've never done this before but I'm gonna try right and uh and Scott learned that with with his jeep too so so that was my first car was that jeep then I what color was it it was white okay yeah I've got a picture I'll show you later but yeah it was white jeep was it like Cher's
0: Jeep from
1: uh, Clueless? Uh, probably not. Hers, I think, was a YJ. I think it was a newer one. Oh, okay. This was a 1963 CJ5. It was an old Jeep. Oh, okay. Jeep. Uh, so then I didn't... Uh, So then my... You know, after I sold the Jeep, I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy something else. And my dad pulled me aside and said, look, why don't you drive the pickup truck and I'll buy something new for myself. I think he was tired of driving mm. that. So I'm like, all right. So, so I drove my dad's truck. Uh, and then, that's uh, what you
0: drove when you dated mom, right?
1: Uh huh. Well, I drove, she rode in the Jeep too.
0: Oh, that's right. Because you would, oh, you should talk about the McDonald's story.
1: So I, uh, so your mom and I met at McDonald's on uh, sunset and Eastern in park 2000. It's just across from sunset park. And I would work from noon until five. And then when she started working there, she worked a little bit later. She worked from two until seven. And so I would, uh, you know, when I saw her at uh, the McDonald's, I thought, man, I have got to get to know her. You know, I thought she was just so pretty and so cute. And, uh, you know, she looked like a lot of fun. So I, uh, you know, would ask her, uh, of course, you know, the schedule was posted in the break room. Like, I knew when she worked. Right. But I would ask, I'm like, oh, hello. I, maybe I didn't ask her when she got off work. Oh, okay, so this, this is... Why I'm thinking that I did. So what? What I did was I knew she was getting off work at seven, because I looked in the break room. So I would I would leave work at five. I would go home. I would eat dinner. I would change out of my uniform, and then I would happen to be driving through the drive through at like six fifty five, right? To get an ice cream cone, and then I would ask her, oh what time do you get off work? As if I didn't already know right. that it was in five minutes,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. And smooth. so then, yeah.
1: So then she would say, oh, I'm just about to get off work. And I would say, oh, well, you know, do you want to, you know, I, I can wait for you, you know, and then we can, you know, talk or whatever. And so I would get my ice cream cone and I would sit in the parking lot, wait for her to come out. We would chat and talk. And and so I had been in the habit of doing this, you know, more than once. And so I happened to be in the drive through around 6.50, 6.55, Buying my ice cream cone and chatting her up. And in the minivan behind me is her entire family. Yeah, And so then I, I pulled over to wait and then here comes this minivan that was behind me and they pull over and the sliding door of the minivan opens. And this guy says to me, are you waiting for Monica? And I said, Oh yeah, I am. And he's like, Oh, we are too. We're her family. I'm like, Oh, okay. And you know, super nervous and awkward. And so uh, they're like, do you want to sit, you know, in the, in the van to get warm? Cause it's wintertime, right? Yeah. It's like November. And did you, you know, not have doors I'm, on the Jeep? No, there's no doors on the Jeep. I yeah. you know? so it's got a bikini top, you know, and I'm in a winter coat and I'm eating an ice cream right. in the parking lot. Right. <laughs> and, uh. So I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm fine. And so then I'm sitting there and I'm eating this ice cream cone thinking, should I leave? Should I continue to wait? You know, what is it I'm going to do here? You look suspicious if I you look leave. I suspicious. Yeah. You like, know. Or you know, yeah. even if I stay, like I think I just, the whole thing yeah. looks suspicious. So then the van door opens again and he says, get in. Like, <laughs> all right. So that's how I met your grandparents.
0: Right. Uh, I bet mom
1: was mortified. Yeah, she was. And then, you know, then we went to go get pizza and she was still in her McDonald's uniform. And I don't think she liked any, any part of that. But, uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, so we dated when I was driving the Jeep and then we dated uh, when I was driving my dad's truck, you know, and then I was in England for two years. And so then when I came back, my parents had bought this uh, 86 and a half which is interesting because, you know, they, they introduced the new model like before new models can't come out. So it wasn't an 86. It was an 86 and a half. So it was an 86 and a half um, Nissan uh, pickup truck, four-wheel drive. And um, I bought that from them. And so I had that truck oh, for, okay. man, I think I drove that for like nine years. I put 100,000 miles on that truck myself.
0: Yeah. I remember... Um... Like, I have memories of that truck, which I don't know if it's just from watching maybe, like, a home video about it or if I actually remember you having that truck.
1: The you, like blue. you drove in it. I mean, you know, yeah. I had to put your car seat in it. But, yeah, you, you yeah. at least went around. So, it doesn't surprise me that you have memories of it. Yeah. But I uh, – and I wired houses in that truck mm-hmm. and, you know, I got a ton of use out of it. And then – uh, and it was
0: like a, a nice, like small kind of truck. It wasn't. It only had two seats. Yeah. And like the bed of it, like it just didn't seem like like a lot of the trucks we see today. Right. Where it's, it, they're so big.
1: Well, you can't buy a small pickup truck. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, you could buy a small pickup truck. And by small pickup truck, I mean there are two passengers, you know, the driver, right. and the one it's passenger, the bench seat. and a short bed, right? And either two wheel drive or four wheel drive. And they were awesome. They were super maneuverable. They were small. They were tiny. They were yeah. easy to work on. They were absolutely phenomenal. And uh, and now, like, if you want to buy a, a, you know, quote unquote, small truck, it's got a V6 engine in it. It's got, you know, four doors, you know, and it's, you know, it's massive compared to these, I mean, like a real mini truck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and and all everything is the rage of these giant trucks. Yeah. Because even my dad's pickup truck was a full size truck, but it was a standard cab, so it was just a one bench seat, and then it was a six foot bed. Yeah. So even as a full size truck, it was small.
0: I think trucks somehow have gotten like tied up in with like masculinity, and I think like that's why the small trucks have died out. So like, well, if I drive a small truck, am I a man?
1: Well, you know, I think that. I mean, I, I, that's a valid point, but I think that what I have seen too is that when I was growing up, you would have a lot of times there would be like a pickup truck that the dad drove because he needed it because he, you know, had property or he worked construction or, you know, something like that. And then there was the family car, right? Right. Or there would be like the family car and a commuter car, but you wouldn't, you know, you didn't like take the family anywhere. In the truck, right? Whereas now, oh, right. that's okay. that, you know, everybody go, like if you're going to go to the beach or, you know, take the boat or anything like that, like you take the truck, right? And so now it's like, well, we don't want to cram in the back. They want, you know, yeah. full-size doors and, you know, seating for six or five or, or however many. And so I think it's just changed the way that it's viewed. Um, I mean, my friend, my friend's dad had a boat. And he towed it with a Ford station wagon. Now, this wasn't just any Ford station wagon, right? I mean, it had a 454 V8 in it. I mean, it had the biggest engine... It would rival the engine in most pickup trucks today. Was in this station wagon, right?
0: No, why? Like, was it a special? Like, he put that engine in there? Or? No, well, he
1: bought it that way. Like, they oh. sold them that way because people would tow boats okay, with them, right? Okay. Like, you didn't yeah. need a pickup truck to tow a boat. You could, you could get, you could get a car and tow a boat with a car. But now, now all the cars are getting so small. That you don't, you know, nobody tows things with a car anymore. Yeah. Whereas back in the '70s and you know maybe not so much in the '80s, but certainly from the '50s, '60s, and '70s, you know, you could take any car and tow a trailer, tow a boat, uh, you know, you know, small camper trailer or anything like that with no problem at all. Whereas like now, you're not gonna, you know, go get your Prius and tow a boat with it, right? Like, you yeah. died. die. You know, you just can't yeah. do that. The Plus, car would t- you know, <laughs> yeah. boats are now bigger, and, you know, yeah. so it, it's sort of this whole thing where, you know, the the, the toys got bigger, so then you, the trucks needed to be bigger, the cars got smaller, and so now it's almost like, well, now instead of having a family car, or, you know, a family vehicle, and then the truck, or a family vehicle and the commuter car, it's like, well, now we'll have the truck, which is the family car, right. And then like a commuter car if it's, you know, if it's needed or whatever. So, I mean, so the masculinity thing is, you know, certainly a part of it. But I think it's just the way the American public does that kind of stuff has changed. And the thing is, it's like, how many times are you towing your boat? You know, it's like, oh, we do it, you know, five or six times in the summer. And it's like, but then the rest of the year, you're driving this gigantic thing around, you know. And like,
0: how come there's some trucks that have um, four tires in the back?
1: Oh, and those they are have called duallys. Yeah. So it uh, increases the towing capacity.
0: Okay. So you
1: can tow even more weight behind
0: and I it. I never see these trucks towing anything. <laughs> but maybe it's just on their off days. It you could know, be. You know, so. Well,
1: because you're not going to see a truck like that towing what they tow in town. You're going to uh, see them on the freeway. Headed to like the mountains. Like maybe they're
0: towing like those uh like horse
1: like uh-huh. trailers. Like a fifth wheel like trailer, like, trailer, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh okay. All right. I'll give them a pass.
1: <laughs> okay. Um so now Oh, but you I didn't tell you the rest of the cars that I owned. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's okay. what we were talking about. So I had that red pickup truck. And uh, and now that I think about it, I think 86 and a half was the year it was introduced, and this one was an 87. So it was almost the new the new thing. But the the thing that was the coolest about that truck. It had a fuel gauge that went from empty to full, and then it had a sub-fuel gauge so that once you got down to a quarter of a tank, the second gauge went from empty to a quarter. So it was almost like you could tell by the ounce how little fuel you had left as it was going down. Oh, that's nice. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I've never seen it in any other other thing. So I had that 87 Nissan four-wheel drive truck, and then I sold that to buy uh, the Jeep, the yellow Jeep. So and that was a 2001 um, Wrangler, and then when Scott wrecked that one, I bought a, or that was a 2002 Wrangler, and then Scott uh, wrecked that one. I got a 2001 Wrangler that looked just like it.
0: Yeah. 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 So and
1: that's all I've owned. Now, um, the Suburbans. Yeah. Well, but so I guess I was sort of tracking on on like cars that I like considered. Your, mine, yeah. Right? So then when we got married. Your mom had an 87 Chevy Cavalier, which was a super fun little car, and it was stick shift. In fact, all of our cars have been stick shift except for the two Suburbans that we owned.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And we would have had a stick shift if they, yeah. if they came that way and they don't. But So we had the 87 Chevy Cavalier, and then we sold that to buy the 95 Neon when you were born. And then uh, we bought the 97 Suburban in 99 because we bought that one used. And then we rolled that one in 2003, and then bought the 2003 Suburban, and then we had that for 17 years, and then we just sold that in January. Yeah. So, and then your mom's got a 2019 Camaro that she drives.
0: Oh, uh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, do you feel like you want a car for yourself? Because I know the Jeep is kind of now like the the teenage driving car.
1: Right. Uh, it's funny because I, every once in a while, I'll go down to the Jeep dealer and I'll look at the, at the new Jeeps. Yeah. Of course, now they're, they're not the same. Sh- they're not the same. And th- now they're two models ahead and you know, the Jeeps have becoming gigantic too. You yeah. know, they're absolutely. I mean, there's was, a Jeep
0: truck now and it's massive. It's growing on me. I'll say it. When I first saw it, I, it looked like a monstrosity, Yeah. but it's growing on me. I think it's kind of cool. Well, I
1: pulled up next to one in the Suburban and it was bigger. Than the, like, suburban? The bigger than the suburban oh, yeah, wow. it's longer than the suburban oh. i'm like that's too big yeah but,
0: i asked one tr- uh, jeep truck owner i was like you know how do you like it you know and they're like oh i love it he's like i've always had a jeep and i had to try this out and mm-hmm. so and that's from somebody yeah. who likes jeeps so. yeah
1: so you know so i i went and i looked uh most recently and i was looking at the, at the so i like the most recent model compared to the one that was in between the tj and the the, the new one. So what's the most recent model? Um, let me think. Because it was J-K. The new one is the J-L. So the J-L is the new one. And... Um,
0: what does that stand for? I
1: don't know. Jeep Lover. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, I uh, I look at it. I'm like, okay, well, it needs to be yellow. It needs to have two doors. It needs to have... You know, and I'm like, I'm like putting this thing together. And I'm like... I already have that Jeep. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the new hat, old hat book. Yeah, exactly. I'm like like looking at all these Jeeps and I'm like, what about that one over there? Like, that's the one I drove over here. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, uh, so I like, I like my Jeep, but, um, you know, I, I'm sure I, if I was in the market, I could find a car, you know, that I would like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, I like mom's Camaro that's, that's a fun car to drive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I missed the two cars that I had before the car that I have now. I had um, a Saab Turbo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I can't remember like what year it was, um, you know. But it, it was really cool. It had a the soft top, like retractable convertible top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the key was in the console to start Mm -hmm. the car. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. Left my keys in the car all the time on accident. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then but nobody could tell that the keys were in the car because, you know, they're looking in the wrong spot. And then um, I can't for the life of me remember what that red car was that you went with me to Mm -hmm. go find. Um, It It was a BMW 525i. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, that was such a cool car. And yeah. it had a sunroof. And I don't know why I felt like I had to sell it when I got married. I just, like, figured I needed to, like, downsize everything. But I think about that car all the time. It was such a cool car. That was a cool car.
1: It um, was, it was, uh, I want to say it was like a 93 or something like that. So it was, you know, it was an older, yeah. but it was a, but but that was a top of the line, top model car. Like, it was, yeah. you know, it had all the amenities on it.
0: Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. I really and the guy that it. owned
1: it kept it really nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and I sold it to a smoker. Ugh. What <laughs> did I do? Anyway. Um, okay. So, let's uh segue into motorcycles. Okay. Um, which is probably your favorite part of this segment. Um, so, what what sparked your interest in motorcycles in the first place?
1: So, I've always been interested in motorcycles, but it, I've always... Uh, been very practical so when i was young and married i needed the truck because i was wiring houses so it didn't make sense to own a motorcycle that i would only ride occasionally right right i couldn't i couldn't go to work on it i you know i needed a truck uh to get to work and so there was a there was sort of this period where out of necessity and and other things you know it was just impractical to to own one and then when i was working at via west they had this thing called a they had a $250 education benefit. So $250 for anything that you want. You know, if you want to take oboe lessons, you can go do that. And, you know, they'll reimburse you for the thing. And so I uh, I saw that. And my buddy at work, Juan, I said, we should go down to the Harley Davidson dealer and take their motorcycle course. Because I think that would be fun. Right. Yeah. And, and it was uh, a little bit more expensive than at the community college. And so it was $350 so it was only going to cost us a hundred each and it was, you know, Friday, uh, like basically after five. So it was Friday evening and then all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. So we went to go take the course and we rolled those little, uh, Buell blasts, uh, right.
0: Which is the motorcycle that I drove, right? Right. Or right. road. Uh-huh.
1: Yep. And, uh, I had the most fun on, uh, you know, taking this class. So that was in 2006. Uh, it was right before I turned 35 and, uh, and I had done it because I thought, well, I, I think it would be fun. And I think it'd be cool. Just like bragging rights. I go, yeah, I have a motorcycle endorsement. I can ride a motorcycle, but I had so much fun. I thought, man, you know, I should, and I, I didn't need a truck for work anymore. So I thought, well, maybe I can buy it. A- so
0: you got certified. Mm-hmm. At, in that. So, so okay. I got the
1: license. And so then after I got the license, I'm like, well, I should go get a, uh, a used motorcycle and start riding it to work. Mm-hmm. And so I that the w- Honda? went on Craigslist. Yep, and I found a 1984 Honda Saber V65. So 65 was the uh, cubic inch displacement. It was an 1100. Mm. So it was a it was a big engine, and it, and it was a V4. So it was so it was in a V configuration, but it was two cylinders on uh, in the front and in the back, and it was in 1983. The sister bike, which had the same engine, which was the the Magna, was the world's fastest production motorcycle. So this thing was no slouch. Like, it was a fast bike.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, But being, you know, a little bit older, you know, I was a little bit gentler and wiser, I think. And uh, you know, didn't get in any in into any trouble yeah. with it.
0: Was that the bike that we had to push all the way home?
1: Uh-huh. Yep. That
0: bike was heavy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yep, that was yeah. the bike.
1: Yep.
0: I I honestly didn't know if I was gonna make it home mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. on that walk. Uh, but yeah. And was it was it in the summer?
1: Yeah, it was Fourth of July. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> oh, because that's right, because remember the Fourth of July curse? <laughs> one of the curses because ah, um, we had i think like every fourth of july someone got like seriously injured or like something bad happened mm. for like a long time and then you know it must have we must have been healed somehow there you go. or it's been lifted because i can't remember the last fourth of july curse that happened but
1: that's funny
0: okay so um so now tell me all the motorcycles that so you've had. so that
1: was the first one so it was an 84 honda saber then i bought In 2010, I bought a 2006 uh, BMW K1200R, which I still ride to this day and absolutely love. Um, Then when I started riding motorcycles on the track, I bought a a 2001 Ducati 748. And I absolutely love that bike. Then I bought a series of motorcycles so that you guys could, could ride them. So I had two Buell Blasts. And then I had. I
0: forgot you had two. Yeah,
1: I bought the second one on accident. What do you mean? <laughs> so I was, I, I I think I had, I think I had placed a bid on one on on eBay, and it was like a seven day thing, right? Okay. And so I'm like, and, and on eBay they're like, if you want this, you need to make sure that you bet the maximum amount that you're willing to pay for it. Otherwise, you know, it's likely that you're going to lose it, like at the last minute, right? So I did that. So I think I put like, I don't know, fifteen hundred bucks for you know for this motorcycle because that's about what it was worth. And uh, and at the time, the bidding was, you know, some low amount, you know, yeah, but they go yeah. up fast. They at go the up end. fast. So uh, so this is on like a, a Monday, right? Well, during the week, on like a Wednesday, there's a Craigslist ad for one in town because this one was in Bullhead City, Arizona. So there's okay. one in town and I'm like, oh, cool. And so I'm like, eh, I'm probably not going to win that bid on the one in Arizona anyway. So I go and I buy the one in town. And, Is that the uh, yellow one? I, I can't remember. I think they, the the, the nice thing about the Buell was the, the colored components were not, they were like, um, they were like molded body parts. So you could swap them out. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, and that's what I did to make it yellow. It wasn't yellow when it started.
0: Oh, okay. So I
1: think there was a blue one and I think there was a black one. Or, and the blue yeah. one I changed to yellow or, or, or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, so I so I buy this one and then come Saturday, find out that I won the auction and oh, ended yeah. up having to go down to Arizona to go buy that one, right? And I think your mom was gone for the week. So she leaves and, I, and she comes back. I've got two motorcycles. Yeah. That I didn't have before. <laughs> But uh so I had those two and then I had a coworker who was leaving town and trying to sell his motorcycle and that was the two thousand twelve Kawasaki Ninja mm. six fifty that we have.
0: Yeah. And that's your yeah. racing bike.
1: No, that's the that's just the standard bike. No, the I was thinking one the Ducati. It's the Ducati, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Which um was the Tron bike a Ducati?
1: In the Tron legacy, yes, it was a Ducati. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, that was such a cool bike. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I didn't like riding the Kawasaki. I don't I, I think I like to feel um more in control of the bike and I feel more in control of the bike when I'm sitting up more, like mm-hmm. on like, on a mm-hmm. standard mm-hmm. like the Buell Blast. So that was like more of a standard bike, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I know some people I think like to feel more like they are the bike
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that
0: you know, like is that how you feel?
1: Definitely on the Ducati for sure, and you know. and the BMW as well. I think. Yeah. But, but the BMW, the all of them are standard except for the the Ducati. Mm. The Ducati is the only one that's. Uh, I guess know, I forward. feel like
0: the BMW is a bit just because you're you're a little bit leaning over it. A
1: tiny bit. It's yeah. it's more or less upright. Yeah. It, it more has to do with where the foot pegs are. So when you oh, sit on yeah. the bike and the foot pegs are straight down, it's a standard if the foot pegs are out in front of you it's a cruiser and if the foot pegs are behind you it's a you know more of a sport bike and
0: what why do some motorcycles well, like the Harley Davidson ones have those like monkey bar handles the ape hangers yeah what I don't what's know. the What's the point of
1: that? air out the armpits. I don't oh know. Oh,
0: my gosh. <laughs> I, I hate seeing those. They're terrible. It's
1: supposed to be more comfortable. I don't know how, but that's what... Yeah. I,
0: I, <laughs> that's what they say. I, I
1: have not... To be fair, I have not ridden one. Yeah. So I don't know.
0: Did you ever get into that uh, motorcycle show? Um, it, it was like a, like a drama. Sons of Anarchy? Yeah.
1: Yep, I watched every episode. Was it good? I liked it. But let me tell you, it was on at the same time as Breaking Bad. And wow. Breaking Bad was so engaging and thoughtful and phenomenal. Whereas Sons of Anarchy was just like popcorn. It yeah. It was just like, Philip's I don't Seth have show. to think. I don't, you know, like somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to crash. Somebody's going to have yeah. sex. Yeah. Like it was just, so it, it was fun. But, you know, you didn't like, there wasn't like a lot of like thought that you, yeah. you could pick up on it pretty quick. You know, yeah. there wasn't like this really long story arc that was involved. I mean, there was, but you didn't have to like put a lot of thought into it. And, yeah. and But, but I, I, I did enjoy it, but it's a different kind of enjoyment.
0: Yeah. What was that one show? Um, or maybe it was a movie with you and McGregor about motorcycles. Uh,
1: so they did three, they did the long way round, the long way down, and then the long way up.
0: Okay. And
1: they, so in the long way round, they started in London and they rode all across Europe and Asia And then, you know, flew to Alaska and then drove all the way down uh, to Los Angeles and across to New York. So they went all the way around the world on uh, BMW motorcycles. And then- Is that
0: part of why you ended up getting a BMW?
1: No. So I can tell you the reason that I got a BMW was that we, uh, I saw, I I had in 2006, somebody was posting these ads on Craigslist that you could do free uh, demo rides at the BMW dealership and- everything. And, uh, they had Las Vegas bike fest and Harley Davidson was doing demo rides. And my buddy and I went to the Harley Davidson dealership because that's what I wanted to to test ride. And there was this really long wait list and it was like a parade. So it was like they had all the different models lined up and they had like a lead rider and then a, a tail rider. And you would like go out and it was in the middle of town and, and everything like that. I'm like, Oh, this, I'm not waiting around to do this. And so I had remembered that that out. I'm like, Hey, let's go to the, the BMW dealership. So we, we go to the BMW dealership and the, and, and the bike that I have now had just come out. It was a brand new, you know, floor model. So they had the K 1200 R and the K 1200 S and he starts going through the stats, you know, it's 163 horsepower. It does zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds, you know, and we're just salivating as he's like, you know, rattling off all these things. And, you know, it's, it's got anti-lock brakes and it has this and it has that and heated grips and, you know, all the standard, you know, BMW amenities. He's like, do you guys want to ride up? And we're like, hey, yeah. yeah, we want to ride up. And we're the only ones in there. You're like, Yeah, because everybody's at the Harley place. I'm like, yeah, let's yeah. go. And so uh, so he goes, he gets our driver's license and everything. And he's like, all right, you know, um, you know I'll see you in like, you know, 20 minutes. And I'm like, what? He's like, we're 25. I'm like, you're not coming with us. <laughs> He's like, no. He's like, you guys go halfway. Like, what? Sitting on the back, like yeah. holding on to you? Well, I thought, because like the other ones had oh, like, like a, a lean ride, you know, That's like, right. you know? Like to make sure you don't speed or whatever. And I'm like, wow. And so the, the BMW dealership was right on the, the frontage road for the 215. And so we come out of the, the BMW dealership and we come around that corner and there's like nobody on the road and we just gunned it. Wow. Oh <laughs> we my tore there. And then I got that bike up to, um, Without even knowing it, I was at 105 on the freeway. And then I just rolled on the gas and I hit 120 before I knew it. And I'm like, I am in love oh, with this Oh, my bike. gosh. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is going to be my next bike. And so in 2010, you know, when I had the money, that's what I bought.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I think if I were to buy a bike, I would have bought a Triumph those are cool. like, and I was so mad when you told me that when the Triumph dealership owned, opened, they had insane deals mm-hmm. on like the first like a hundred bikes sold or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ugh, those bikes are really cool.
1: See, and now all of the bikes are at uh, Eurocycle on uh, West Sahara, and they have all of them. They 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 mm-hmm. bought all of those dealerships. Wow. in town okay. and all of those bikes are there now so they they sell cool. ducati and bmw yeah. and try like basically if it's not japanese and or american they sell it there
0: that's really cool have you um ever thought about doing a, you know you were talking about the UM mcgregor long way round thing mm-hmm. and um uh have you have you thought about you know getting a or renting a, a tour bike and you know maybe taking mom and Going up along. I think that there's like some pretty uh, kind of uh, like routes you can take up uh, the California mm-hmm. coast. Mm-hmm. Is that something that interests you at all?
1: You know, maybe it would have to be the right tour group and and stuff like I wouldn't want to.
0: Well, you can go by yourself or, I could... or would you rather go with a tour group?
1: Uh, I think I'd kind of like to do one or two with a tour group just to like, you know, see their kind of take on it and, and that kind of a thing. But I don't know. I like riding on the track.
0: I think yeah, that's
1: my my favorite thing, like l- riding long straight lines, doesn't doesn't Yeah, to me. So it'd have to be a pretty road.
0: I've shown so many people that photo of you with your knee uh-huh. grazing the the track. That's such a cool photo. Okay, so I want to talk to you about motorcycle racing. Okay, um, just want to give you this time just to gush about your favorite things about it.
1: So, um, I started, uh. I had some friends that went out to the track and I thought I wanted to try that. But it's, it's the kind of thing where you, you sort of have to commit to it because to go to the track, you need racing boots and racing leathers and um, stuff And they don't that, rent that stuff out? Um, some places do. And, you know, but then you got to rent like a U-Haul trailer to get your bike out there. You have to prep the bike for the track. Um, you have to do all these different things. And so I, I did that with the BMW and I took the BMW out to the track the first time. And I think that's
0: the picture that I've seen of you. I think you were on the BMW.
1: I've got one picture on the BMW, and then most of my pictures are on the Ducati. Oh, okay. But the, the, BMW, and the, so the BMW is a gray and black bike, so it's a different. So if it's right. a yellow bike, it's definitely the Ducati. But I uh, so I go out there. I'm learning a lot. I'm having a great time, and I'm pushing my limits. And at the uh, towards the afternoon, uh, I end up laying the bike down. And my first reaction is, oh, my gosh, I'm off the bike. But then my second reaction was, oh, man, this doesn't hurt, right? Because I've, I've got all, all the gear on, game, right? And, I, yeah. like, and it was a low side, and I slide off the bike. And, uh, you know, they come, and they pick me up in the recovery truck, and, you know, I come back to the...
0: And are there other people on the track at the same time as oh, you? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you could get run over? I
1: could get run over, yeah. That um, didn't happen to me, fortunately. And, uh, the, you know, and they're very good. They're trying to minimize, you know, any of that stuff. And it's not a race, so there's not people trying to, like... You know, people immediately right. slow down and
0: do they go over before you even get on the track like hey you know if slash win you lay your bike down right. these are you know the yes. rolls these are the tucks we want you to yes do exactly
1: whatever. so they they go through all of that safety briefing ahead of time okay cool uh so i i get my bike and come back and my friends are like oh man are, are you okay i'm like i will be back next month like i had such a good time i'm like i'm definitely coming back so i i take the bike back and uh you know your mom looks at it and she's like oh man you know that was such a pretty bike and. I'm like, yeah, well, now I know where the edge is and I can fix this. It's not a big deal. And she says, well, why don't you just get a bike that's dedicated for the track? And I'm like, this is the best conversation wow. we've ever had, right? Yeah. So I, uh, I looked at a bunch of different bikes and uh, came across this 2001 Ducati uh, that was a salvage bike. And uh, so it was damaged, you know, had some scratching on the tank. And, you know, people love Ducati's like a, a work of art, right? And so like to have a tank... Scratched is like the worst thing in the world. You gotta replace the tank. You know, you can't like repair that kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't care. Yeah. Like so I I bought it for seventeen hundred dollars, got it working, got it out on the track, and slowly started to add things as I got better. So as I got better. Uh, I bought a set of uh, slick tires versus just like standard tires.
0: So like where they don't really have the grooves and grip. I think I've Correct. seen them. They're yep. So you know, they're like totally
1: smooth for the most part. Yeah. Yep. So I got a set of slicks. Uh, I got some tire warmers. I got some motorcycle stands. And, you know, I was looking at what other people were doing. And I sort of was trying to take my time to, you know, buy things and get the things that I needed. And uh, so I started going to the track. And I had a goal to go. Every single month. And uh, one of the things that happens is like nobody goes to the track in the Southwest in you know July or August. Like it's insane. You know, it's like it's way too hot. Right. So I had gone in June and I was looking for a place to go in July. And there was one track day organization that had a track day out at Willow Springs. And I had wanted to ride. Is that in that Arizona
0: track. or California? No, it's
1: in California. It's in uh, Rosamund. Okay. So I go out there. Uh, to ride on the track. And it's so sparsely attended. I think there were 30 people total, which yeah. is super unusual. Usually there's like a hundred. Oh, wow. And so it, you know, there's very few people out there, which is nice because I've got room and I, I can do stuff. And so I'm talking to the guys that, well, this was the track day feeder to this racing organization. And so I, as I'm talking to this guy, he says, you need to, to try racing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know because I have to get race fairings and I have to, you know, it's more money and I don't even know if I'm going to like it. He says, look, he says, we have this thing. It's called Run What You Brung. He's like, you just bring your bike like, like you're set up for the track. It doesn't have to have, it doesn't have to meet all the inspections of a race bike. And uh, you go into the new racer school. So you're there, you know, learning all the stuff about racing. And then at the end of the day, we do a Run What You Brung race. And you can actually see what it's like uh, to race. And I, I thought, okay, well, I'm looking for something to do in August anyway. And they had this, you know, race day in August. So I said, okay. So I go and I bring the bike. I do the run with your So I sit in with the racer school. And like racing, it has like a whole different set of uh, requirements and rules and things like that. Same track, different, you know. So
0: what do you call when it's not a race? It's just a just, track day.
1: Okay. And, and so on a track day... When you want to go onto the track, you sort of pull up, and there's a, a um, an official there, and he's watching the traffic on the on the track, and he waves you on, and it's like getting onto the freeway. There's okay. like an on ramp, and you you know you get onto the freeway, and you kind of merge with traffic, and you just and you just ride, right? And then when you're t- when it's time to get off the track, you sort of raise your hand so that other riders know that you're leaving, and then you get on the off ramp and and get off the track, and okay. and so there's an entrance and an exit. Protocol. Uh, when you race, you uh, same kind of thing. You go on the on-ramp and you do like one lap until you get to the start line, and then they start you on a grid. So they've got uh, you know three bikes in the front row, and then shifted off center a little bit. Three bikes in the second row, and then shifted back to the front. Three more bikes, and three, 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 three until you have all the bikes set up, and then they have a guy there who's standing on the side of the track with a number placard. And so it's got a number two and then he flips it and it's got a number one. And then when he drops his hand, you go. Oh, wow. Right. And they teach you, uh, that you are to, uh, you know, pull the the clutch in and rev the engine, you know, as not as high as you can go, but you know, so on the Ducati, it redlines at 11,000 RPM, okay. so I'm revving it to like between four and five thousand RPM, and so is everybody else. So you're ah, you know, all the bikes are screaming as you're as you're revving the gas, and then when they say go, you use your clutch to sort of you know, launch out of yeah. there without pulling a wheelie and without killing yourself, right? And you know you tear off wow. down the yeah, track. Their so words, it's, not my. Yeah, approach. exactly. So you know you're and and they and part of this run what you run they did practice starts so they lined you up and they d- went through the whole thing and you you know she would and and you would just practice that you would practice starting from a stop to to get out on the on the on the line so uh so I go through the whole day of the the classes and then they um uh it, it's time for the run what you run race well it's me and one other guy so the two of us are on the track and he's on a leader bike so it's a you know a 1000 cc's i'm on a 748 so it's a smaller bike and they you know they do the flag and pew you know we take off and we do i think it was three laps might have been five you know we race around it he pulls way out ahead of me so i've got the whole track to myself and i you know but i come in second right well then, well, there's there's only two people. Yes, but I came in second. <laughs> so they they bring out the podium and they've got the trophies and they've got oh the my girls gosh. and I'm like I am sold, right? Like this is the best thing ever, right? So I do another run with you, Brung, uh, on another uh, weekend, and then I went and I bought race fairings because so race fairings are. Um, uh, they wrap around the bike, but most importantly, they can hold a quart of liquid, in the belly. So if the engine detonates or the a hose comes off or the oil uh you know, drain plug comes out or you know something like that, it drains into the pan, at the bottom of the bike rather than going all over the track,
0: right. Mm-hmm. So it's
1: a it's a safety feature. Then you have to wire tie, uh, everything
0: a, to your bike. Uh,
1: yeah. So a lot of the bolts they want you to to have a hole drilled through it, you run a wire through it, safety wire, and then it's attached to the bike uh, somewhere else and and the race regulations specify which bolts, that you know, the caliper bolts for the brakes and you know the oil um, drain uh, pan plug and then the you know the oil filter and you know, all these different things. So I went and I took my bike down to the mechanic and I said, "Here's the list of all the things that need to be wire tied because he had all the tools and everything so he went through and drilled all the holes and wire tied it and everything and so i you know i got it all ready for inspection you had to have guards for the brake levers and you know various different things and so, so then i went to uh actually go through the the racer school to actually do a race and uh so I go through through that one and uh and, and actually get my race license and so then I go to do my first race and so it's a novice license before you get into like the next uh, category which is expert and then you can filter by type of bike, size of bike, they have different races for different classes and, oh, that's and nice. things like that. So but in a in the novice class, there's they don't have enough to break it up any any more than if it if the engine is bigger than this, it's heavyweight. If the engine is in the middle, it's mid middleweight, which is what class I was in. Uh, or if the engine is below this displacement, then it's lightweight. So lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight. So I was in novice, middleweight. So I finish the class and then they go to grid us up and there's like man there must have been like 15 to 20 of us on the on the grid right well they grid you up by uh, the points uh, that you have in the in the season or your best lap time well, I had already done two run what you run classes and one I got second. So I had the highest points oh. of all of these guys and they put me in the pole position. I'm like, oh no. Oh, so geez. here I am in the pole position of this race. And uh, you know, they start the race and we're flying down the track, and then of course the the track that you, you go as fast as you can until you get to the turn. And you know, and then we got into the turn and you're trying not to die as everybody's trying to get through there first and uh, it was just a lot of fun and and the thing that i liked about racing was the the skill set was so high that it forced me to get so much better because right. i'd be following somebody and in my mind i'm thinking more gas less brake more gas less brake more gas less brake <laughs> keep going keep going keep going just trying to you know blast through this as as fast as i could and i i had a great time i didn't win any more uh, trophies? I I never got my expert license. I did club racing for two years, which I really really enjoyed, and uh, but I just couldn't afford it. It was, you know, I was going through a set of tires in a weekend, oh. so three hundred miles, you know, on a on a set of tires at six hundred dollars, right? Like it's and that doesn't count, you know, you know the, the, the entry fees yeah. and the gas to get there and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it you know it was an expensive hobby, uh, but. The coolest thing was I go back to doing these normal track days and I'm with my buddy and I'm out on the track and he's like, holy cow. He's like, what happened to you? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you are so fast. I'm like, well, that's what racing did because yeah. it, it, it forced I, I, you to it, it you did. Know, change. I, right. Because I, there's no way I would have got that fast had I not tried to push into the next level. And, uh, and so that for me was worth it. Like I, I, I got good enough to feel like in the 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 top fast class on the track that I deserve to be there. Yeah. So, that, but I, I really liked it. It was fun.
0: Yeah. Well, you're so cool. Well, and well, you thank know, you. That. Oh, thank
1: you. No, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it.
0: Okay. Well, that's all that I have to say. Is there anything that you want to add on to
1: our no, whole conversation? So. No, I think everybody should learn how to ride a motorcycle because I think that it's, yes. I think it makes you more aware and yes. Yeah. Uh, And I think that it gives you compassion for people who are on motorcycles on the road. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I remember when I took the motorcycle class, um, I was like, everyone should start out riding a motorcycle because it really does change. You you become a better defensive driver.
1: For sure. Yeah. When you know you're invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So anyway, so I thank you for that. Oh,
1: you're welcome.